Uh, we are in week number two of our sermon series that we have called Break the Rules. And so last week we started and I said, listen, some of you are setting out to have a great 2017 and you think that what has been bothering you, what has been affecting you is all, all out there. And so you're working on things kind of in the physical realms. You're working on your, your physical body. You're working on where you live. You're working on your job. Uh, but for what I found spiritually, if you're spiritually unhealthy Inside, it doesn't really matter what you do on the outside. And so we set out in this, this, last, this last week and the next three weeks to take a look at things that are affecting us in the spiritual realm uh, because we know that there's a battle for our spirit. In fact, it says in the book of, of Colossians chapter 3, we read a long passage last week, but we ended with Colossians chapter 3, verse number 15. And it says this, it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. In other words, it's optional. That you don't need to be ruled by the peace of Christ. That that is an option that you take a hold of. And so what I found is that many people are ruled in their spirits by thinking it doesn't matter what happens in the physical realm because everything inside here is, is messed up. If you get this together, the Bible says, above all else, it says to guard your heart. That that, if you're above every other thing, anything you give effort to, everything that you're going, every day you're working, you're getting up, you got a poster of what you want to look like physically, you got, you got goals that you set for yourself financially, above all of that, that stuff's not bad, but above all of that, make it your goal to guard your heart, to let the peace of Christ rule in, in your spirit. And here's why. Whatever you're ruled by dictates uh, the results of your life. And, and when you're ruled by the wrong things, eventually you'll, you'll be ruined. I want to read that to you again so you understand it. Whatever you're ruled by dictates the results of your life. And when you're ruled by the wrong things, you'll be, you'll be ruined. And so last week, we took a look at, at bitterness. You remember I told you, I said bitterness is poison to your soul. It, it, will, it, will, it will get down inside of you, and it, a deep root of poison begins to take shape in your soul, and it will hurt you. Not only will it hurt you, it will hurt your family and your kids. And eventually, and most importantly, it hurts your relationship with God. That, that bitterness destroys your life. And so we took a look at, at bitterness last week, uh, last week. Next week, we're going to take a look at the topic of jealousy. Man, if we ever struggled with something in our culture, it would be the inability to be happy for other people and also at the same time to be grateful for what we already have. We struggle deeply with, with jealousy. But today, I want to talk to you about the topic of offense. The topic of, of being uh, offended, because here's the truth, we live in a culture where we're consistently offended. Like, all of us are, are offended with each other. Let me give you some examples of when I'm offended, because, so you understand I'm the same way. I'm offended when I hold the door for somebody, they don't say nothing to me. Any, anybody that's a perpetrator here that does that? I'm offended that I hold the door for you, and you walk right through, and you don't even say thank you, as if it's my job to hold the door for you, Right? Sometimes in Pennsylvania, I walk by and I'm like, I, I want to see how many people that can offend me because that's because it's fun to be offended, right? And I'll walk by and I'll be like, I'm going to say hi to people today. Everywhere I go, I'm going to make eye contact with people and I'm going to really freak them out. And I'm going to say, hello, how are you doing? You ever do this in public? And so some of you have never done this in public because you're rude and you live in Pennsylvania. But this is a completely normal thing to do in, any, in every other part of the country except for the, the, the Northeast. So you understand, like people walk around everywhere else and in general, they're happy and they talk to each other except for here. Like we hate everyone, right? And so you walk around and you'll be like, hey, how you doing? And the people just walk right by you. It offends me to the point where I'm like, well, I'm doing good. That's good. A good conversation. Awesome. I get offended there. There's been times I've been offended at my, at my spouse, right? Because I would do certain things for her, trying to, 
to build intimacy or to, to do other things. Maybe you would, you, you would do, a, do a chore or put your clothes away or clean something or do something like that. And your spouse maybe will come in off after a busy day and they don't even recognize what you've done. That's offensive. There's been times that I've bought something for somebody or gave something to somebody or sacrificed something to somebody and they have not responded the way that I wanted them to respond and I have been offended by them. I've been offended by things people have said to me without them even meaning to offend me. You ever been there? Did you pay for that haircut? Is that your wife's shirt, right? I've heard all those things. What's wrong with your nose? Why do you talk like that? One time my, my, my friend in college, he said, why do you talk out of your nose, right? And I said, I, didn't, I don't talk out of my nose. He said, yeah, you're, I'm going to tape you, listen to yourself. And I thought, you offend me by saying and calling out the truth that I talk out of my nose because I'm from the Northeast and that's, it's, that's just where we talk from. And I've been offended. I've been offended by things people didn't say to me. I, I've been offended by things that people didn't do for me and I've been offended by things that people did do for me. Like I, I've just consistently face offense. And here, here's the problem with, with, with offense. An offendable spirit, to me, biblically, is an unmendable spirit. And he, here's why. Because you think that the, 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 the person or the thing that's affecting you, that the answer to your offense is for God just to wipe them out. Think about what that looks like. Some of you are consistently offended with family members and friends and, and co-workers, and your prayer really is, maybe you've never actually prayed this, but you thought this, if God, if you could just wipe them out, just kill them in a loving way. Just stop them from talking to me. Stop them from looking at me. Stop me. Then I won't be offended. But the problem is an offendable spirit is an unmendable spirit because that's a prayer that God can't answer. It's a physical impossibility unless you're going to go on an island by yourself somewhere, which, by the way, you would end up being offended at the palm tree, God, or yourself, right? Like, you would find offense. You're going to be around people all the time, and you're asking God to heal something that he can't heal. He he can't fix the way everybody else treats you all the time to make sure that they never offend you, and they never look at you wrong, and they never say anything wrong to you, and they never walk wrong, and they never get in your way, and they never drive wrong. And on the flip side, and here's what I believe. I believe that spiritually, because you're living in the spiritual realm if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the same power that conquered the grave, that it lives inside of you. And that same power enables you to live a life that is never, ever has to be offended. You never have to be offended again. And here's what's so cool. An unoffendable spirit is what I believe spiritually. It's an unbendable spirit, that it, that it can completely change your life. But the truth is, man, we live in such an offendable culture and even church. Even church, people are consistently offended with one another. And the truth is, Jesus said in Matthew 24, it would be this way. Listen to what he says about the last days. He says, at that time, in the last days, many will turn away from the faith. And watch what it says. And they will betray and hate each other. It's not talking about outside the church. In the last days, many will turn away from their faith, a relationship with God, and they will begin to betray and hate each other. Well, what happens when you live in offense? Eventually, anger, it comes into your spirit. It comes out of your mouth. It comes out of your actions. And you begin to hate each other, and you begin to betray one another. But I want to talk about the inside problem, which is offense. And here's what you need to understand about offense. Spiritually and biblically, offense is a trap. Now, I'm not a hunter. I don't know if you've, if you, if you've ever come to that conclusion when you looked up here. I wonder if that guy hunts, right? 
Probably no one ever said that. I'm not a hunter. I don't like the outdoors. It's cold out there right now. I don't want to be out there. Like, I, I like the warm. But I am not a hunter, but I studied what offense was. And, the, and biblically, the word for offense, it means trap. And so the only trap I've ever seen, and this is actually what it means, has been on Bugs Bunny, right? Like, I, that's a trap. When you take the box and you, put, you prop the box up on its side, and you guys remember, you track it. Some of y'all don't know what Bugs Bunny is. You need to YouTube Bugs Bunny. And so and they would put the trap, and then they would put the stick up on, on the trap. You guys, you guys tracking with me? If you're tracking, say amen, right? This is church. That's the holy word you say. Or you can just say, I, I, I got you. And so you put the box like this, you put the stick up on the box, and then you tie a string to the bottom of the stick. And then at the end of the bottom of the stick, you put a carrot. So when the, when, the, when the animal, whatever you're trying to catch, comes into the box, what do they do? They grab the carrot. When they pull the carrot and they try to eat it, the stick comes out and the box comes on top of him. Offense is the carrot inside the trap. Offense is the carrot. So, so you walk into a, to a trap. The, 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 the Bible says that Satan traps us like this. You walk into his trap over and over and over again. I'm not sure what the carrot is. I'm not sure what you struggle with. I'm not sure what consistently offends you. We're going to deal with that in a second and help you to see. Maybe that's something you need to work on. It's not something about somebody else. But for many of us, the issues are, are, are different, yet they affect us the same way. Where we get into this box, and once again, we fall for the, for the trap. We pull the carrot, and then we're in the box. And, and I want to talk to you about this because many of you are holding the carrot, and, and in your heart you're going, man, if, if offense would just stop around me, I'd be fine. If people would just stop, stop doing this, if they would just leave me alone, if they would just not talk to me this way, if I would just have a different family, I would never be offended. But I want to give you three steps to what I believe could be a freeing, unoffendable spirit, that I think it is spiritually possible for you to never, ever have to live in offense again. You never have to walk away in your life and go, man, I just, I have no other option but to take the carrot. I have no other option but to go. So let me give you three things today that will help you work through and towards having a spirit that is never able to be offended, an unoffendable spirit. Number one is this, and this one's really important. Being offended is your choice. Everybody say it with me because the first service, they hated this one. Because here's the thing. We don't like to take responsibility for anything. But I want you to say this and own this. You ready? Say, being offended is my choice. Now look at your neighbor and say, if you're offended with me, come on, say it to him. Some of y'all got in a fight on the way to church. You need to say it to your spouse. If you're offended with me, that's your choice. If you ever leave this church and you're offended by something I said about cats, you won't believe people. I can't believe you said something about cats. Listen, you might as well get used to it because I'm going to say it every service for the next 15 years until I stop preaching. I'm not coming back. That's fine. That's your choice to be offended. You can love cats all you want. There's nothing possible that's going to happen in my life to make me like a cat ever. No way. Don't bring it. If I come over your house, don't let it rub up against my leg. I don't want that thing near me. But listen, it doesn't offend me that you have cats in your house at all. Having cats is your choice. It's a dumb choice, but it's... I'm just kidding. Being offended is your choice. But here's what we do with offense. We actually act like it's not. We'll go in, we'll grab the carrot that we can't say no to, whatever the carrot is, and we'll grab it, and the box will come over us again. The same thing happens over and over. We're like, I don't want to be mad. The person will say the same thing, hit you in the same spot spiritually. It's still weak. You'll take the carrot. You'll be in the box. You'll be trapped, and you'll be like, it's not my fault as you have the carrot in your hand. 
And we actually think, man, being offended, I have no responsibility towards it. I mean, we've been doing this for years. Think about when people, people do this even in, in life and practically. I mean, think about it. People that eat fast food all the time. All the time. And then I've heard stories. I don't know if this is true. This might be an old wives' tale. But I've heard stories of people suing fast food companies because they got diabetes or got out of shape. And it's like, what did, did somebody physically put that milkshake, supersized fries, and Big Mac in your mouth? You know, when I was a kid and somebody told me that this, 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 wasn't, this wasn't right on. But for my, for my illustration, I'm going to tell you this story. Don't Google it. Don't tell me I'm wrong. Once again, it's your choice to be offended with this choice of illustration. And so, but, but when I was a kid, I didn't know the whole background story. I remember when, when somebody got burned by the coffee at McDonald's. You guys remember this? And they sued McDonald's. And I, I was thinking, and I, somebody told me they had third-degree burns and all this stuff, and McDonald's wasn't regulating their coffee. But still, they bought hot coffee. They got burned by, this is pre-iced coffee when they're like, we can, like I got burned by hot coffee, right? And then they sue McDonald's as if McDonald's made them buy coffee. And we do this all the time. And here's the thing. We've been doing this since the beginning of time. If you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, when God makes Adam and Eve and he says, hey man, you can have free reign of everything, name the animals. You guys can run around this bad boy naked if you want. This is going to be amazing. The only thing you can't do is eat of that tree over there. That's it. Do whatever else you want. Just don't eat of that tree. And then Satan slithers in the garden and he tempts Eve and Eve eats the fruit and then Eve gives the fruit to Adam, and Adam eats the fruit, and you've read the story, you know, God comes and finds them, and they're hiding, and, and, and they realize they were naked because they, they felt shame, and so they covered themselves, and God says, what have you done? And if you've ever read the story, you'll see that, that, that the same response we have, which is, I'm offended, but it's not my fault, it's somebody else's fault. It's the exact same thing that Adam does in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 12. He says, the man said, the woman that you put in here with me. The woman that you made, that you put in here with me, This is the first thing you need to understand, that it was her fault. Like, she made me do it. And then he says, the woman that you put in here with me, she gave me fruit from the tree, and I ate it. You understand what he's saying, though? She put it in my hands, she pushed it to my mouth, and she made me eat it. And she said, if I didn't eat it, I was going to have to sleep on the couch for the rest of eternity. And so I ate it. But the truth is, the reason I ate it is because you made her and put her in the garden. If you would have done a better job making her, I would have never been in this garden with her, naked, eating fruit we weren't supposed to be eating. You see what happens? God, you would have gave me a better family. I would never be offended, man. They are. They're jacked. Every time I go anywhere and try to do anything, man, they always say something that offends me. They make fun of my faith. They make fun of my looks. They call me all sorts of names. God, if you would just give me a good Christian family, I would never be offended. God, if you would put me in a different workplace, God, you would have gave me a different spouse. Man, my spouse, they offend me all the time. And we say stuff like this. We say stuff like, well, we took offense, or I, 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 somebody, I, I took offense from that person, or I took offense from that situation. If you would just stop and, 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 and understand what that implies, it implies that you are taking something from somebody else. And when you take something from somebody else, then the option is in your hands. You don't have to take offense. Why? Because offense is your choice. In other words, offense is not your problem with a person or with people. You need to stop thinking of it like that. Offense is your personal problem. That's that's it. Offense is not a 
people problem, a, pay, a place problem, a family problem. It is your personal problem. Life is 10% what happens to you, 90% how you respond. You can't fix your family. You can't fix your work. You can't fix the people you have come in contact with. You can't fix the road you have to drive on to get to work. You can't fix any of that. What you can do is fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, and realize that offense is your your choice. Say it again. Offense is my choice. And how do we know that? Because we we read in the Bible that that offense was Jesus' choice, That, that, that he could have chose to be offended, but he didn't. And the Bible says the same power that lived inside of him is inside of you. So it takes all of our excuses. You might do the wrong thing, but it doesn't excuse the wrong thing. And listen to what Scripture says in 1 Peter 2. It says, when they hurled insults at him, it's talking about Jesus. Watch, how, watch what he did. The Bible doesn't say he got mad. He called, down, he called down fire from heaven. He struck them blind. He gave them leprosy. He laughed at them. He silenced them. He quieted them. The Bible says that he does not retaliate. He does not try to get even. Then watch what it says. And when he suffers, he made no threats. Instead, I love this part. Some of you need to write this down. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He doesn't say nothing back. It's his choice what he does with his spirit. Doesn't try to get even. Doesn't retaliate. Doesn't send suffering to them. Instead, he, every time that you choose not to have, take offense, you are entrusting yourself to the one who judges justly. He's your defender. Number two is this. I got two more. Number two is this. As you take offense, you need to understand this. This is, really, this is a really important one for, for me this week. Is you tend to take offense where you are most unsure of yourself. You, you will tend to take offense where you are most unsure of yourself. In other words, being offended easily is your sign that you are insecure in that moment. And here's the thing. Most of us, we will recognize offense and we will see offense in areas that we are most insecure. Let me give you an example. When I started this church 11, 11 years ago, me and my wife moved back from Oklahoma, started this church. I mean, I, I had a dream. You ever, you ever have a dream? But, but there was no fruit of that dream. There, there, was, there was literally not, there was nothing good on the surface happening. It was all happening in my, in my soul and in my spirit and in my private life. And, and, and kind of God was maturing me. But there was really no fruit or evidence that this dream was ever going to kind of come, come going to manifest, come to fruition, if you would say. And so I remember back then, uh, people would say stuff to me that, that quite honestly, it, it offended me. Like it, it would be like, you know, one time this, this one person said to me, now when we started this church, we, we wanted to be a different church to reach different people. Are, are you with me? There's going to be another church that starts someday, that they're going to be a different church to reach different people. But we have a very specific mission, and we are going to reach people far from Christ. We're going to do anything short of sin. We're going to be a church that exists, exists for those not yet here. And so with that being said, when I started this church, I wanted to be a church that was, that was people-centered, not program-centered. I didn't want to be a church that had uh, a thing and thing and thing to do, an event and event and event where you were in the church every day of the week, yet no one far from Christ was being invited to the party. And so with that being said, there was things that we simply just were not ever going to do. We were never, ever going to do certain things, never going to have certain events, never going to have uh, certain ministries. We just, we just weren't going to do that if we were going to do what God called us to do. But we weren't doing anything at that point. And I remember one day somebody said to me, uh, close to me, she, they, they, said, they said, well, if you do church like that, what are you going to get paid for? And I was like, What? Because, you know, you don't get paid just to have church on Sundays, and that's not a job. Like, you have to have events and, like, potlucks and, like, all this other stuff. And, man, I, I, was, 
offended. There's other people in the early days of our church. You know, we would preach. There'd be three people. There'd literally three people there. And they would say stuff in the middle of it, man, because I'm really insecure at this moment. Try, if, listen, if you have pride, preach to three people. One of them's your wife, right? Like it, it. Some of you always, you wonder, why do you stand at the, at the door of the entrance and greet people? Why do, why do you do that? Because I pray, God, please send people today. Please have people to come. I've been doing that for 11 years. God, please bring somebody. And for the first couple of years, I prayed and, and, you know, nobody came. And so we, we kind of, and, and I remember we would, you would get up and you would preach and, and it, you would just, by the end of it, you would just feel so worn down and this is awful. I just want to die. I want to go back to my, my hole. I can't preach. Nobody wants to come. And then people would come up and be like, they would say stuff like, you know, I felt like there was no one here today. That's a great observation, idiot. I mean, I, really? Like, you, you feel like it or you know it because you looked around and it was just you and me. And it, it offended me, but the truth is, had nothing to do with them. Had nothing to do with the person that said that to me. It was my choice. And the reason that it offended me is because I had an extreme amount of insecurity in my life. And here's the problem with insecurity. There was no one in this world that can fill that hole except for Jesus. There was no one who can add the value. There was no one whose words can change you. There was no one whose words can give you purpose. And the problem is many of you know more and you hinge your life, you build your life more on the words of what people say about you than you do about the words that God has wanted to say through his word to you. And it, it, the truth is that you struggle with it because it's secure. Now flash forward 11 years. I'd like to think that I've developed much more you know, security in myself, even though I still struggle with offense. And so last week, a lady came to our church, and she was coming to, to go to a meeting with Ian. Her and her husband are the leaders of the, the Christian education, the kids department of, of the Pendale, which is our, where our church is at. And she came, and at the end, I met her super nice people, and, and, and she was standing here. Now, if you flash forward 10 years before this, I was very insecure and very angry, and people would say stuff to me. I would smile, but on the inside of me, you know, I, I, I literally had hatred in my spirit. I was not ruling my spirit. So she looks at me. I never met this lady before, and she says, hey, good church. She said, can I give you some criticism? <laughs> nah. <laughs> nah. I said, just one thing. And I said, oh, okay, well, well, what is it? She said, well, when you preach, you tend to always stand on the left-hand side. She said, you should work on going to the right-hand side, which, by the way, I'm doing right now. <laughs> I got in my notes go right. And, and in the beginning, I, I first, I, I was like, oh, that's great. I love this constructive criticism. We love it. We want to be bad. We want to be good. And here's how I know I didn't love it, because I kept talking about it when I got home. And she doesn't even understand. The reason I go to my left all the time, and some of you have been thinking this for a long time, why are you always go to your left? This is my better side. Like, this is the side I want people to see on. And so, but I'm going to work on it. And the truth is, you know, after I kind of went through it, and I was like, she probably is right. She probably is right, and my security is not built on, on if I go to the left side or, or the right side or how good of a preacher I am or how bad I am or whatever's going on in this church. My security has to be built on Christ, and when your security is built on Christ, man, your spirit, it is impossible to offend it. Some of you need to embrace it, and you need to allow the Holy Spirit to dig down deep inside of you, and you need to allow him to open you up and, and see, hey, God, where, where am I reacting to people in the wrong? Because here's the thing. Our reactions towards offense, they tell a lot about our relationship with God. Your reaction towards offense, they tell a lot about it. In other words, 
The times that you turn away, the times that you don't say anything, the times that you overlook, the times that you don't get back at them, the times that you don't get revenge, you know in that situation that God is maturing you. That he is making you more like Jesus. If every time somebody says something to you, if every time they look at you the wrong way, you know that you are still a spiritual baby in Christ. Eventually, you have to step away from the Baba, and you need to begin to chew on the meat of Scripture, if you know what I'm saying. Because, you know, a two-year-old on a bottle is okay. A 20-year-old on the Bible is just weird. Some of you have been going to church for a long time, and you have assumed that offense is not my response. But for the very first time, you're going, okay, this is my job to take care of it. It's my choice. And if I'm getting offended, chances are there's an area in my life that I'm not allowing God's presence to make me all that he has called me to be. Number three, lastly, is you don't move away from offense then in your life. I can't, I can't, can't do that for you. You move above it. You don't move away from it, you move above it. How often do we do this in life? You get offended with people, and your initial prayer is, God, just give me a new family. It's just new friends. People do this all the time in life. I've seen people, they, like, they go through marriage problems, and they're like, we just want to move because we have all sorts of bad memories there. And I'm like, really? Because you're still going to be in that new house you're going to. You know that, right? Or like people will be like, I just want to move states. I get it. Because who doesn't want to move states when you're in the Northeast in January? Well, listen, the problems with the fence and all the other things, they're coming with you because they're inside of you. So oftentimes our prayer when we get offended is, God, take me away from it. Give me a new job. And that might be the answer sometimes, but I, I think, man, it's kind of like what Jesus said in the Bible in the book of Luke 17. He said, and Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble, they're bound to come. In other words, what he's saying is if you live around people, if you wake up every day, if you get in your car, if you go get coffee at Wawa, if you go to a restaurant, if you teach students, if you have to interact with their parents, if you do anything like that, listen, offense is bound to come. You have a family, you have a sister, you got a brother, you got a mom, you got a dad, you got a grandparent, you got a husband, you got a wife, you got kids, they're going to offend you just so you know. It's bound to come. And so offense has to be looked at as my choice, number one. Number two, where I'm getting offended tells me where I'm insecure. And lastly, you need to understand that you don't move away from offense. You, you move above it. You move above it. I love this quote, and I don't even know who this lady is. I'm not even going to try to say her name. But this is what she said. She said, whenever someone offends me, I try to raise my soul so high that the offense cannot reach me. Whenever someone offends me, when I, whenever I go into a situation that's going to offend me, I, I try to raise my soul so high that offense cannot reach me. Just think about it practically if you're on a plane. If you're flying in turbulence and the captain gets on and says, hey, there's going to be turbulence for the next 20 minutes, the answer most of the time is not just to fly right through it. You're going to have a lot of scared people on that plane and it's going to be real bumpy. So what do they often do? They raise their level of altitude. Sit back down in your seats, buckle your seatbelts, no more moving around the cabin because we're going to raise our plane above this turbulence so that we can ride. And I started thinking about my, my life. That the truth is, when it comes to offense, that when I start to let God develop a maturity inside of me, I realize that the way that I get through offense is not to go through it or not to get away from it. It's to raise my level of spiritual maturity over it. When I change the level of altitude in my life, God will change my attitude. It'll change my attitude. 
And for some of you, you need to allow the Holy Spirit to take you to a whole new level. You've thought that the problem is out there. But until you realize that the situation, the problem, the offense, that it's your responsibility, you're never going to get over it. Because if it's not your dad, your mom, your brother, your sister, it's somebody else. Somebody else is going to offend you. Somebody's going to look at you wrong. Somebody's not going to respond the way you want them to respond. And offense is your choice. And the problem with offense is God can't do anything with it. He can only do something with you. He can only do something with, with, with you. That the, the responsibility in offense begins in, in your heart. And so the only way for you to do it is for you to go, God, I know you're probably not going to be able to change every circumstance. I know you're not going to be able to keep me away because Scripture says that it's, it's bound to come. So God, spiritually inside of me, mature me. Make me secure. Give me the same power that conquered the grave of Jesus Christ. God, let it dwell and rule in my spirit. God, when I get into to a situation, I'm going to let the peace of God rule in my heart. I'm going to recognize that's a carrot, and I'm not going to grab it. You don't have to be offended one more time in your life. It's, it's my choice. It's your choice. Maybe there's a level of insecurity that needs to be dealt with, and ultimately, you just need to raise your level of, of altitude in your spiritual life. Your attitude will change. Would you stand up with me all over our houses? Would you bow your heads? And would you close your eyes? I think this is a, a life-giving message for somebody in this place. Some of you, you deal heavily with offense. Heavily. And you assume the answer to your offense is separation. Nope. The answer to your offense is, is maturity. Maturity. The Bible even talks about that. That wisdom makes us unoffendable. Growing old is not optional, but growing up is, church. One of the ways you can grow in your faith with Christ is to stop pointing your offense to other people and blaming them and start to own it. God, I've been offended. I've allowed offense to come into my spirit. And here's the problem with offense. Offense comes in your spirit. Anger comes out. The Bible says that a fool gives full vent to their anger. Offense comes in. Anger flows out. Anger ruins things. Anger causes you to say things you can never take back. Anger changes and influences your family. Anger influences your marriage. Offense comes in, anger goes out. Instead, when offense comes in, grace and mercy and peace, you handle it in your soul and you let those out, just like Jesus did. He chose to not take revenge. He chose to not bring suffering on them. He chose to not go against them. That was his choice, and today you can make a choice. God, today I make a choice to have an unoffendable spirit. I'm going to work on that, God. I'm going to work on that. Here's how I'm going to work on it. God, make me secure. Everything you say about me, God, I want to bring it into my soul and I want it to begin to change me from the inside out. And God, as that happens, the level of my spiritual altitude is going to change and my attitude with other people is going to change. Maybe you're in this place with nobody looking around and you say, you know what, I am extremely just angry with life. I'm angry. I'm bitter. I find offense everywhere. Listen, you are, you are living a life in a cycle that you will never find hope from. You will never find peace from. You will never find comfort from. And until you get to the moment where you realize that the problem and the pain and all the things in your life that you're not happy with, until you get to the, come to the spot where you realize that the answer 
does not lie out in the world somewhere, but a, but a lies lies in a moment where, with your heart. That's who you really are, your soul. Where your soul, even though it's, it's been beaten and bruised, that you have a moment where you, you have an encounter with the one who puts us back together. His name is Jesus. The Bible says of that name Jesus that he's a name above all names. I love that picture. All the names that have been spoken against you, all the things that have been said, all of the confusion that it's caused, that Jesus, that he can become the name above all those other names. And it's in a moment with Jesus that you, you find peace and hope and mercy and restoration and forgiveness of those that have hurt you. You walk with, with new hope, with new life. And the Bible says that, that this relationship with Jesus, that, that it started at all of our campuses, with your choice to follow him, same way you choose to grab the carrot. The Bible says Jesus died on a cross for your sins and my sins, that we know that we're sinners. The Bible says that of our sin, that the wages of our sin is death and hell, that all of us are sinners, not, not you versus me, not religious people versus, versus bad people, that we are all hopeless, lost, and broken outside of the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. And that he came 2,000 years ago, and the Bible says that he was placed on a Roman cross, that, on the, that he was taken off that cross when he was fully dead, placed into a tomb, and on the third day he rose from the dead. And now to all who confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus died on the cross, was raised from the dead, he ascended to heaven, sits at the right hand of God, and he intercedes for us to come home, that all that would put their faith in Jesus, they would be saved. That is not a religious moment, because religion says, hey man, you're here, but you're a lot different than us. So why don't you clean yourself up, and when you clean yourself up, then you can be part of the club. You're not different than me. The only difference in my life and your life is that at one moment in my life, I decided I can't live this life this way on my, on my own. I, I decided I can't struggle like this. I don't want to be overcome by my past, and I gave my life, my future, to Jesus Christ. It was the best decision that I ever made, and the only reason I'm up here today is because of that decision.